Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. We are missionaries with Acts 29. And as always, it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, leaders of families, and leadership practitioners to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve her mission. Today's topic, Rick, is really exciting because we have said in episode one of the Mission Guys that we would one day, actually we said we made a commitment, but we said we would interview guests. We do guest interviews and have have that frequently. And today is the day we finally make it. Yeah, we, we said we would do that. it about every fourth or fifth episode. We're on episode 25 <laughs> and we have our first guest. It was worth the wait. We have a great first guest. We're honored to have Brenda Canella with us, who is the CFO, Chief Financial Officer at the Archdiocese of Denver. And so welcome, Brenda. First of all, welcome, Brenda. Thank you, Rick. And Nick, I am so excited to be here with you guys today. This is I'm really honored to be your first guest and very excited about this topic. Very good. What makes it really fun too is Brenda's a very dear friend. She's she's not just someone we do mission with. She is a very dear friend to us. But Brenda, today we're going to talk a little bit about pride and leadership. Tell us how we landed on that topic. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, I think I didn't look back at the release date, but a couple of weeks ago, you guys had an episode. I think it was the last episode that you that you dropped was on delegation. And it was a fantastic episode. So quick plug. Thank you. For anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. It's fantastic. We're talking about pride today. So thank you. (laughs) She said it, not us. (laughs) Yeah. So I was listening to the episode on delegation and I was just really engaged in it and learning a lot. But as I was going through, I kept thinking to myself, oh, I hope they talk about at some point what keeps people from being good delegators. And you guys did at the end, you got into some points on what can cause a leader to not be an effective delegator? And then I thought myself thinking, oh, I hope they talk about pride. I hope they mention pride. And you did. You mentioned pride as a barrier to, to good delegation. And then as, as you guys came into town and came here to do some mission with us, I thought, I'm going to tell them that they should do an episode on pride at some point, which, which might be prideful that I thought of that and thought that I had some <laughs> to tell you what episode you should do. But we've just, yeah, we've unpacked this topic together offline a little bit. And, and I'm, I'm really honored that you guys invited me on to talk about this topic in particular because it's been so impactful to my own journey. As Praise a God. Thank you, Brenda. So, then, so, so yeah, last night, Brenda brings it up. And it just made so much sense with where we are in the episode. So today's topic is hidden pride as leaders. Before we open in prayer, just a disclaimer, the audio might be a little off today because we are in a big echoey room. So bear with us on that. But let us open in uh, prayer so that we are not prideful. (laughs) The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of this moment right now where we can just talk about a sin every one of us struggles with, pride. Help today us as leaders to really grow in humility and gratitude for everything we've been given. Help us, Jesus, as we listen and as we share right now, to really just unpack pride in a way that helps us all to grow so that we can really serve you, serve your church, serve the mission you've given us in a very unique and powerful way according to your holy plan. So come Holy Spirit, inspire this conversation and guide it where you want it to go. 
and help every leader to be moved in whatever way you need them to be moved to grow in their own journey to be great for you, Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. So, Brenda, we know you. We, we're, we're, we're honored to be friends. You know, we're friends. We're beyond acquaintances. We, we're on mission together. We're excited. It's, it's not only strange for us to have a guest. It's, it's somewhat odd as we're not even together on our podcast mm-hmm. most of the time. So if the audio is not great, it probably isn't normally great because I'm up north and you're, you know, less north. But <laughs> it's, good. it's just great to be here together as well. But Brenda, before we get into the topic and the kind of the hidden symptoms of pride, if you will, and some of the things that you had mentioned to us and really have us thinking and praying about it, can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Who's Brenda Canella? Sure. Yeah, I would be happy to. So I would be remiss if I didn't always start my biography with, I'm from Houston, Texas. (laughs) As a people, people from Texas are very proud. (laughs) (laughs) So so yeah, so I am from Houston, Texas originally. I have, my husband and I have lived in Colorado for about 25 years. We, We love it here in Colorado and we're very blessed to be what a good friend of mine calls a citizen of the Archdiocese of Denver. I am married, been married just over 30 years, have five beautiful children. In terms of professionally though, how I got to be where I am in my current role at the Archdiocese of Denver, I have a degree in accounting from the University of Houston that I got many, many years ago. I started my career at like many accountants do in a big four public accounting firm. So a great, great training ground for, for accountancy, great start to my professional career. I left the accounting firm and spent a few years as an executive recruiter, which was an interesting and fun fun time in my life and in a beautiful way that God gave me some skills there that, that helped me in my leadership. But as our family grew, I discerned that God was calling me to be home with my children. So after our fifth, actually after our second child was born, I started staying home and then we had numbers three, four, and five. And <laughs> so it turned out I was, I was an at-home mom full-time for about 10 years. And then I started to feel a stirring in my heart about 2010 to return to the workforce. And we might draw this out a little bit later in terms of how God used this in my own discipleship, but I went to work for Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University Students in 2010. I actually worked there for nearly 10 years, so from 2010 to 2020, before I discerned leaving and coming to take the role here at the Archdiocese of Denver as the Chief Financial Officer. And particularly in my time at Focus and, and developing more here at the Archdiocese of Denver, I've just had a deep desire to become a better leader. So you guys, as as in what you do and how you've blessed us here in the Archdiocese of Denver, I've just really experienced a particular personal blessing. And for the sake of those that I lead, I want to be a student of great leaders. And I, I uh, deem you both to, to be that, but most of all, grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, which is kind of how I got Amen. to this point of attempting through God's help to root out pride in my own life. And as, as a leader, Brenda, did you always like follow Jesus? Like have you, since, since you, since you left, left Houston, worked in accounting, were you always following Jesus really closely or is there, was there a, was there a shifting point at all in your leadership journey, even as a mom? No. Like, yeah, no, there was absolute, absolute shifting point. I can remember back to my time right out of college. So, so for anyone who knows anything about the accounting profession, top students. So, so strong performing students are the ones who were recruited to the big accounting firms. And, and in Houston, the accounting firm I worked for had a lot of prestige. And I remember being really quite honestly, just full of pride, Mm. leaving Mm. university, 
going to work for this big accounting firm. You know, there's a lot of prestige associated with that career. There are moments to grow in humility as well, where you, as a new staff person in an accounting firm, get get beat down a little bit by the partners and managers <laughs> when you when style. you make dumb mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, but honestly, Nick, at that point in my life, even though I was, you know, I, I would be what some may consider a faithful Catholic. We went to mass every Sunday. My primary goal was to get promoted, get a bigger title, make more money, um, get more prestige. Mm. Like those were, those were my goals. I don't know that like I ever sat down and wrote those out, but if I look back to my mindset at that time, that if I'm being honest, that was my mindset. Mm -hmm. The real turning point for me as a leader was after I had joined focus in 2010, I was immediately drawn into, and if anyone's familiar with the work of focus, I was immediately drawn into the life of a missionary. Mm -hmm. So the the missionaries who serve on the college campuses of focus, I was in the, in the head office here in Denver working in an accounting role, but I was immediately captivated by the lifestyle of a missionary, daily mass, daily holy hour, spending time with a spiritual director to grow in the spiritual life. And I had already had some stirrings of wanting to grow as a disciple before, before joining focus. And I'm I'm pretty convinced that that was part of God's plan (laughs) in leading me there was to take that small desire of my heart and explode it in terms of becoming a disciple. But it was through some experiences there where, where I just experienced hard things. Mm -hmm. And one situation in particular, where as a leader, I, I started focus as an accountant and because I was an older professional in a, in a very young organization, I almost immediately ascended into the top level finance leadership there. I worked for some great people there. Curtis Martin and Craig Miller are just fantastic leaders, but there was a a period of time where we were having some disagreement with one of the major benefactors and advisors of focus about some of the way that we were managing focus financially. There was no scandal or anything. It was just, just a disagreement in, in the way that we would we would direct things. And this turned into a rather rather difficult situation where this person was was very direct in expressing displeasure with what we were doing. And this is probably the, the time in my career where I felt the most exposed because I was the leader of this effort. Mm-hmm. And this was probably the most difficult situation, even having had client situations in the past as a recruiter or in accounting where I had to work through difficult client situations. This is this was a situation where someone who was close to us was was really a friend, was really, really critical of our work. And I had to just go before the Lord and say, I don't know what you're doing here, but there was a turning point in my heart there where I felt gratitude for the Lord for this pers- persecution. Mm-hmm. This is really minor persecution mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. terms of what, you know, what martyrs and, and those yeah. would, would experience, but it really was a persecution of sorts. And I remember feeling gratitude for that. And that was a turning point in my own leadership and wanting to really envelop everything about my leadership in growing as a disciple mm. and not having any part of my leadership be for any sort of self-gain. Just right. Right. just imitating Jesus and pouring myself out completely for those that I work with. Well, we, we've had a chance to work with you over the last couple of years, and it's just been an honor to see how you operate, how you continue. You're, you're humble to want to always grow as a leader you, you do follow the Lord now, and, and we're, we all continue to struggle, but it's just, we learn from you, and so we appreciate the kind words you said about us, but as I'm sure our listeners can now tell, wow, this is this is a lot of horsepower here, 
from talent, from communicator, from a leader, from a parent, from a spouse, from a, somebody who leads an integrated life, and you still start struggle with pride. And and don't we all? I mean, don't we all? That's why once you mentioned it to us yesterday, we've been thinking about it last night. We were not up this morning. We're early. We're like, yeah. and then this. And is there any good pride? <laughs> yeah. There- we're, we're looking up scripture and everything. So let us ask you on into the topic then of pride. And you mentioned something about kind of the hidden pride. So share with us, share with us what was coming to mind when you were mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah. So so there are subtle and I would say insidious ways that pride takes root in our heart. And one of the, and just through, I had so many great opportunities at Focus and those continue here at the Archdiocese. I feel like even though I'm an employee and a leader in these roles, and I'm definitely you know employed by these organizations, I feel so grateful that, that I receive so much wonderful spiritual formation, especially here at the Archdiocese, being able to work so directly with the Archbishop and learn from a, from a man who is, is so developed in his spiritual life. But in this sort of quest to become a better disciple of Jesus, I started to meet with a spiritual director regularly years ago, started to pray daily. And so the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me in a very gentle way where, where there were these subtle forms of pride that had taken root in my heart and the way that these things were manifesting in my life and in my leadership. And one of them that is sort of an inverted form of pride, and it doesn't, it, it's it's a little bit, it's counterintuitive to think that it's that the root of this is pride, is discouragement. Mm. So there have been times in my own leadership, and I still fall prey to this today. This is not, you know, something that's completely in the rearview mirror for me. This still happens. I'm better at recognizing it when it starts to happen. So I can turn to Jesus and uh, maybe maybe stop it from getting as bad as it used to. <laughs> but you know, so, sometimes in our leaderships, and I, and I mentioned earlier that that we feel exposed as leaders. We're mm-hmm. we're we're sort of standing at the top, and, and we're exposed. We're we're the we're out there, sort of on the front line, leading our teams, and we can be exposed. And so there would be times when I would either get a, get a criticism or even a just rebuke, you know, when somebody would say to me, Hey, that didn't go as well as it should have. Or, you know what? I felt this way when you said this to me, I had the tendency to take that feedback, that little criticism, or and most of the time it was small or little, and I would ruminate on it, think about it. And I would end up in this spiral of, it would become this narrative with myself of, well, I'm just terrible at this. This is, I shouldn't be doing this. This is awful. And I would just spiral into this point of discouragement about my own skills, my own leadership. You know, it could get so far into all the, all the things that I was just doing wrong. And, and why am I even in this position? This is, I'm just not, not the right person for this position. It could, it could get really ugly sometimes in terms of the way I would talk to myself. And then the Holy Spirit, again, in prayer one day, just very gently pointed out to me, how the root of that was pride. Hmm. And the reason it's pride, when we get discouraged, the reason it's pride, the, I'm, I'm no theologian. I have, I have a degree in accounting, so I don't pretend to be a theologian. But I, but I have learned over the years that the, root, the reason that that is pride, the root of that is pride, is because to get discouraged is to say, God has asked me to do X, and I'm relying, completely self-reliant, rather than relying on his power and his grace to do the thing I'm saying, you know what, I'm, I'm totally responsible here. 
and I'm forgetting to rely on God. So anytime we, we are thinking about ourselves and making the focus on ourselves more so than, than on God and his will, that's pride. And so that was, that's one of those ways that I remember in prayer, one of the very first times that the Holy Spirit revealed that to me, I remember almost kind of arguing, going, that's not pride. No, I'm actually thinking negatively about myself not positively about myself. That's not pride. But then I realized it really is. And so I've, I've learned over the, this has been a long journey. I've learned over the years to start to recognize sort of the, the beginnings of that, even that little feeling of defensiveness or to, to not let myself spiral into that place where I'm just like uh, totally thinking about myself and having a major pity party and thinking, mm-hmm. why am I even here? And that's a way that I don't know that others would experience that the same way I have, you know, maybe maybe others don't don't relate to that and and wouldn't get into that kind of spiral like I did. But it was pretty shocking to me to learn that the root of that is pride. And yeah, yeah, the the hidden ones, because, you know, we, we are all guilty of and can easily observe the overt pride. Yes. You know, the hubris. Yeah. But, and, and so that, and as we, if, if anyone were to see you in action, we get to see you in action, you'd say, wow, what a mm-hmm. humble leader. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. so even to listen to you talk about that, it's like, ah, well, you don't know what people are going through. In the, in, in a, and I guarantee we know you well enough where you, your journey, you just continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So you probably do nip it early now, whereas before you may have finally realized that when the pain was pretty great, you know, like, what am I doing here? But that's a leadership, that's a habit, right? You're getting this habit of, ooh, I'm starting to sense it, right? Your tentacles are up. It's like I'm aware of it more. And you, I know we know you pray into, Lord, help me be aware. Help me be aware of when this is starting to happen. Yeah. Building on that, Brenda, I love, the, I love that. I think a lot of people really will resonate with this idea of being discouraged, not seeing it as pride, but being discouraged. And I mean, how, how many of us struggle with insecurity and discouragement? That's one of the things I struggle with as a form of pride is insecurity. But before we go any further on this, you said, you mentioned it already, pride is like the root of all sin. It's the root. So Aquinas would say that pride is the root of all sin. He would also say it is excessive love of one's own excellence. Now, if we really want to define pride, let's just go to the catechism. Here's what the catechism says pride is. So it's one of the seven capital sins. So if you don't know that, there are seven capital sins. Look them up. But pride is one of those sins. And pride is undue self-esteem or self-love, which seeks attention and honor and sets oneself in competition with God. I'm going to read that one more time. Pride is undue self-esteem or self-love, which seeks attention and honor and sets oneself in competition with God. And it's the root of all sin. So that means... All of our sins, if you really follow them, if you picture a tree of sin and you follow down the trunk and go to the roots, pride's there at the heart of it all. And it's always because if, if we're thinking, so in the discouragement example, if we're thinking that little about ourselves, we're forgetting who we are, right? If we take things so personal, we're receiving it as an attack on our identity, we don't really know our identity. And to be sure, all of us are on the journey. So as an encouragement as a leader, as you think about your own sin and struggle, just know that like everybody struggles with pride. It's, to be human is to struggle with sin. <laughs> and then the journey is to root it out as best we can by God's grace and by our study and by our learning about sin. That said, I'd love to reflect on for just a second, like parenthood and, and a quick story about my own pride. So two, two things like, you know, if you're not a parent, God has plenty of ways of exposing 
in your pride, right? And he just lets it happen. That pride exposes itself. And I like to say, as a parent, nothing has exposed pride in my life like being a parent. <laughs> but so, so two quick stories. One, I remember going to Steubenville to study theology. And I had just left business school. And I, my, my, my first year in Steubenville, I thought I was the greatest gift to humanity. I mean, it is, it's embarrassing, my inner life, my thoughts. I was like, look at me studying theology. Look at me being this great scholar. And I had people, you know, feeding my ego, not, 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 not by their fault, but my own, how I received their compliments. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I remember, so my, 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 my hubris was so high. My arrogance was so high. And I maybe didn't treat people super arrogantly. Please God, I didn't. But I, I just interiorly was filled to the brim. And I went in the chapel one day and I was, I was in this book called The Imitation of Christ. There was a line in there. And I'm sitting there looking at Jesus like, I'm doing so great. And the line that and this, today, to this day resonates with me. And, and in, the, and in the right context, this is a really helpful thing to think about. In the right context, Jesus said, you are a wretched sinner and you deserve nothing but hell. But because of my mercy, you can have eternal life. And what that did for me is completely reordered the sinner to the Savior. I was putting myself in this place of pomp, of it's about me. It's about me doing what I can do for God mm-hmm. instead of receiving everything as gift, everything as grace. And so that, that line has resonated with my spiritual life ever since. Mm-hmm. And then, and then to, bring it, to bring it really home for like if you're a parent on this, on this episode, listening at all or a vocational state, like your kid, your kids, your children – will embarrass the heck out of you. It's, it's a daily thing, you know? I mean, it, whether they're little and it's like they're, they knock the shelf over at the store and you're like, oh my gosh, everybody thinks I'm that parent. Or, or, or they're getting older and, and you both have older children and it could be a sport, could be education, could be a rebellion, a moral issue, something the community gets exposed and we take it as it's my fault, it's a reflection of me and what do they now think of me? And so all of that is is how pride manifests, and you can we can share stories all day, but just a couple of just a couple of examples. Yeah, Nick, I'm I'm really glad you shared that example about your children because I've, I've with five basically grown children. My youngest was 17. I've certainly experienced those moments when my children embarrassed me. I didn't I didn't at that time, you know, necessarily recognize that as a symptom of pride. But as a leader, I would say that's another place where this subtle hidden pride would manifest into anyone I have led in the past. I'm sorry if you were the, the recipient of this. But one of the ways that I can honestly look back at my leadership and with all humility now say is there were times where either, you know, a benefactor or a board member or even one of my own supervisors or bosses as a leader would point out something to me that either, you know, someone on my team or, you know, something we had produced was not up to par and or gave gave me some negative feedback about it and as a leader if you find yourself in a, and i'm saying this is i was guilty of this kind of like with your children your delegates can embarrass you mm-hmm. and so if you find yourself if your immediate response is when you receive some negative feedback about something that one of your teams has done if your immediate response is to go and to respond in anger or lash out in some way, I know you're not necessarily going to lash out in the same way that you might do with children or a spouse, but th- that's the root of that is pride. It's a great and example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I actually, in times 
please God, I don't think I ever like raised my voice or, you know, was really harsh with anyone, but I do know in my own heart, I love that you said that too, that sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we're having these feelings in our heart and they don't necessarily become evident to others because we live in a civil society and we know how to control ourselves. But there were times in my heart where I was really angry with someone on my team. And if I'm honest about the root of that anger, it was because I was embarrassed that something less than excellence Mm -hmm. was produced and that it's pride Mm -hmm. that that my immediate response to that is anger rather than loving the person saying, okay, there's a, there's a place for development here. Mm -hmm. And my role as the leader is to coach this person and make sure that this doesn't happen again. Or there were times when I had to maybe even correct the impression of the work. Maybe it wasn't poor work. And it was my role as the leader to stand in the breach for my team and say, Mm -hmm. you know what, actually, let me talk to you about how this actually was, Mm -hmm. was really good work Mm -hmm. and to defend my, my team members. So that's, I love that as an example, because even though our delegates are not our children, pride can still manifest in the same way. Amen. You had shared some other symptoms that we might not see, but we we have to challenge ourselves. And some of them were finding fault. You know, if, if you get this feedback, it's, are we quickly to look at, well, so-and-so did that or so-and-so did that. It just, it couldn't have been me. And even if it wasn't you, it's like, why have to find fault versus let's use this and get better. Yes. Yeah, how do we even get better? Having that that peace in your heart of this is all part of it, all part of the journey. A harsh spirit, you know, this, this lashing out. You're more of a introvert and controlled, and I'm more of the classic extrovert and less controlled. So I have done the lash out and I'm, I feel like I want a confession now myself for my career as a leader. <laughs> but, you know, some of the other things are some of this superficiality. You know, others' perceptions are way more important than the Lord's perception. And so either we say something that isn't the truth, or we say, or we don't say something and not address an, an untruth because we are more concerned about that. How do we look? Mm. You know, how do we look? Or defensiveness, you know, this, this defensiveness. You know, there, there are others, you know, you shared a couple others, you know, this, this desperate for attention. Those are a little bit more overt. You know, you, you can tell when somebody is desperate for attention, mm-hmm. but maybe it's more subtle. It's like making sure that, you know, am I getting credit for this? Mm-hmm. You know, one of our, kind of our mantra scripture passage in the work that, that we do, Nick and I do, and it's first Thessalonians and Paul is really talking to the Thessalonians about, you know, we don't do, we don't do this for the glory of man. You know, we, we do this for the glory of God. We do this basically the audience of one and that, was, and we give of our very selves, you know, it, let it all out, you know, and like you were describing in your example with focus of you're giving it your full effort and then even your suffering. And when, and when that moment was like, even my suffering is something I'm offering and it's, it's almost like I'm appreciative of the suffering. Man, that's a whole other level of leadership. You know, appreciative of the suffering. Be, instead of finding fault or being having a harsh spirit or super or defensiveness or this, this mm. or neglecting others, you know, the, those who are the weakest or those who can't really help us or offer us anything, the unattractive, we just walk by them. Now we're the leaders. And I hope to God I didn't do this, but it's, you know, I can see, you know, some leaders walk down a hallway and if, you're not another senior executive. They don't say hi. You know, it's just that, and, and maybe it's not even on the radar. You know, maybe it's just like that. It's habitual now. That, that your, your great reflection right there. It just reminds me of 
in, in the productive workflow of life. Like you just, you start to, you're that mindset of thinking about productivity and efficiencies. That's when it's really easy to devalue the humanity of others. Yes. Because you get in this place as a leader where you go, it's about productive, being productive and efficient and doing, doing what needs to get done right now. And all of a sudden, if your gifts don't match up with what I think needs to get done or the, pro, the way the project's supposed to go, I'll start to think less of you. Yeah, you're not and useful it, to me right now. Yeah, yeah. It, becomes, it becomes a utilitarian mindset about each other. And I think, and, that, and that's such a form of pride because it's, it's, I've lost the sense of what is God doing here and I made it about me and what I think is best. Nick, one of the things that that I'd love to just give a small testimony on in terms of my own journey of leadership and how just praise God that he planted this desire in my heart to root out this sin and has given me so many graces to be able to do it. But one of the, the testimonies I will say about the fruit of this work is we know that all sin binds us, puts us in slavery. But I will tell you that there was a time where I was seriously considering quitting being a leader because it's hard. Leadership is hard. Leadership is a cross. It's Pat Lencioni has a great book called The Motive where yeah. he, he talks about some of these things that, that leadership is a cross. It's not, if you're embarking on leadership for the prestige and the money and the glory that it brings you, you're in it for the wrong reasons. But I will tell you that I'm not completely free of this. I'm still, you know, still in chains to a certain extent, but I've experienced a measure of freedom that has given me so much joy in being a leader. And I've had these moments where I've experienced sort of a taste of that freedom. And that freedom also brings with it a certain courageousness you were talking about earlier, just just, just wanting to do great things for God. That's that's kind of like the good pride is magnanimity, yeah. wanting to do great yeah. things for God. If it's if your if your intentions are pure about that, the experience of freedom in that and the courage it gives you when you feel free of the shackles of pride and you have a pure intention about wanting to do great things for God, it gives you a courageousness as a leader that really is kind of unmatched. Like it just brings so much joy. Yeah. So I just want to give a quick testimony to that about having experienced even just a little bit of that and how encouraging that is as a leader. I, I would liken it to maybe um, the experience of the transfiguration, getting, um, getting the apostles ready for the cross mm. that experiencing just a little taste of that joy and the freedom from the, the being bound by pride has given me as a leader experiencing that grace one or two times sustains me through other difficult times as a leader. That's so. beautiful. Brenda, you, you had mentioned the, the term cruciformity. Can you expand on the concept of cruciformity? Yeah, yeah. So I will probably butcher this, but I have a couple different times in my life and different formative opportunities that I've had uh, been introduced to this idea of cruciformity. And cruciformity is, is simply forming ourselves in Christ, being willing to go all the way to the cross with Christ and being willing to be um persecuted like him in, in this goal of life of becoming more like Christ. So the, and I, I mentioned to you guys earlier on too, that a part of my journey in this formation is as, as I was at focus was proposed to me that maybe I could do the Ignatian spiritual exercises in daily life. And I recommend that to anyone. If you, if you haven't done it, talk to your spiritual director about your readiness to do it. But if you have the desire, I think it's something worth pursuing. But within the exercises, there's a particular meditation on this idea that that in our journey of 
holiness and um, sanctification, that there is a level of holiness that, that the saints possess, many, and, and there's examples of saints that possess this, of desiring persecution and actually being grateful for the times that we have persecution. So that's how I've sort of in my own mind connected these two ideas is that becoming more cruciform is stretching our arms out and desiring to be on the cross with Jesus Mm -hmm. and then praising God when the persecutions come our way Mm -hmm. and just praising him for, for everything. I had another wise spiritual director tell me one time, I have so many wonderful priests in my life that, that, that give me this, this, beautiful wisdom that everything in our life, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, everything God is using for our sanctification. So I think that ties into this idea of cruciformity that I know we want to reject uh, as humans, our natural inclination is when they're suffering to say, I don't like that part. I'm going to do whatever I can to avoid that part. But in growing in this humility and just poverty before God, I can say I was inspired to want that grace when I did the Ignatian exercises. But as a leader, I've had these opportunities to have these persecutions come my way. And again, don't live this perfectly, but I do have the desire and ask for the grace and prayer to be more cruciform. Mm-hmm. And just as the persecutions come, not to you know close myself in and shield myself and try to avoid them, but to just open my arms up like Jesus did on the cross and say, I willingly take the Lord if it's your will. Oh, wow. Brenda, thank you. Thank you for that. That's, that's ministering to my soul, and it's, it's encouraging me to, to grow right now as a disciple. So, Brenda, if I didn't feel unworthy already as a leader after that, I'm feeling even more unworthy. But as you mentioned Jesus on the cross and as our ultimate role model of leadership, especially just imagine him on the cross and at that time when he's being most ridiculed. So as a leader of the mission, and yeah, there were times when he did respond. You know, he called the Sadducees and the Pharisees hypocrites. So it's not like he was quiet all the time. He was in their face. But at that moment when he was being ridiculed and beaten and spit on and hanging on a cross, he was quiet. He was still on mission. And he's asking for forgiveness for we didn't know what we were doing. And you talk about strength of leadership when it's the hardest. You know, that's the role model. So thank you for sharing that. And it's, man, if that, if that doesn't help us, then think about that when we're wanting to find fault. He could have easily found fault. Now, I know this is Jesus, and it's really hard to even compare, but he did it for a reason, and he did it as the role model for us as leadership. So thank you for that. That was really helpful. Amen. Amen. So you're already hearing this throughout this episode, but let's just call out the antidote. We're not going to talk about and ex- and like do an expose on the antidotes to pride right now, but the, at the heart of the antidote to pride are really two things. And you could say one thing, but really two things, gratitude and humility. Humility is not thinking less about yourself, but thinking about yourself less. And at that very simple definition form, it's really seeing everything as a grace and gift. Even if you transformed your body, let's say you lost 100 pounds and you got really fit and you put a lot of hard work and energy into that, praise God for that. That's a gift that you could even do that. So to see everything is rooted in gift allows us to be really humble, Mm -hmm. even when it feels like it's more of like, I did this. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so, but Brenda, you have a couple of scriptures 
that you wanted to share around this, this humility and gratitude. So please, please share them. Yeah, these scriptures have helped me tremendously in my growth in this area, growth in virtue, uh, you know, opposing the vice of pride. And these two have certainly their models for me in, in many, many ways. But Mary and Jesus, the first scripture is Luke 138. So Mary's fiat. This is an easy scripture to memorize and just to kind of have at the ready. And when, you know, when you're kind of feeling yourself wanting to get into this power struggle with God and wanting to take control rather than surrendering to his will, will just Luke 138 say, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mary's as a, as a human, I find this one particularly, I'm going to talk about Jesus in a minute and Jesus as the model of humility, but Mary in her humanity completely surrendered and just said, yes, Lord, I don't know all that you have planned, but let it be to me according to your word. Mm. So that's a, I find that tremendously comforting when I'm heading into a different, difficult situation or something, you know, something that I'm feeling like I want to grab control of. I just say, I'm, I'm the handmaid of, of the Lord. Amen. And then Philippians 2, 3, 8 is, you, many may be familiar with this scripture. It's one of my favorites outside the gospels, one of my favorite scriptures. And it's Jesus as the model of humility. And I won't read the whole thing. It's, it's you know, five verses rather long, but in the interest of time, I'll go right to verse five, where Paul says, have among yourselves the same attitude that is also yours in Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Mm -hmm. And that I have spent many holy hours reflecting on that scripture and just the idea that, that Jesus was God. Mm. He could have grasped, he could have taken one translation uh, instead of grasped, it says exploited. He could have exploited every benefit that being God gave him, mm. but he didn't. He humbled himself, mm. not just to death, but death on a mm. cross. And as leaders, sometimes we take that, I'm in this position and I exploit it, mm -hmm. right? And that is absolute definition of pride. And then the harder ones are those hid, the hidden pride that we talked about earlier. So that's right on. And so this mission challenge and prayer today is going to be the litany of humility. And so if you're not familiar with the litany of humility, it is a prayer. It's a powerful prayer. It's actually a hard prayer to pray, to let it hit your heart. And so if you're listening to this, we encourage you to follow along. Brenda's going to read the first part of the line, and Rick and I are going to do the responses. So as you listen, you can listen to Brenda and respond with Rick and I. And the challenge with this is we encourage you every day the next week to pray the litany of humility and let it transform your heart. Let it challenge you. Let it bring you closer to Jesus. And perhaps it'll become a part of your regular prayer routine. Amen. We talked about intentional leadership. We're really challenging you to make this a part of your routine, whatever fits your routine best to keep you to be a, a leader with humility. Very good. We'll lead into the litany of humility. We'll start here in, in just a moment. But I do feel like, Nick, we have to give a little bit of a warning, like a product warning before we oh, yeah. we encourage people to say <laughs> this prayer, that, the, that my experience of growing in humility 
is that when you start to ask for this grace to grow in humility, God brings humiliations. <laughs> That's how you grow okay, in humility. So, so be, be, okay. be ready for humiliations. But then also know, we talked about gratitude earlier, also know that's an opportunity to mm-hmm. just praise God for answering your prayer and for giving you the opportunity mm-hmm. to grow in humility. So This we'll is tough stuff. This <laughs> is tough stuff. So, all yeah, right, this is not for the faint of heart. Here we go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Jesus meek and humble of heart. Hear Hear me. From the desire of being esteemed. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being loved. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being extolled. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being honored. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being praised. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, O Jesus, from the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, O Jesus, from the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, O Jesus, that others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I go, go unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brenda, we can't thank you enough for being a part of our podcast, The Mission Guys. It was worth the wait. 25 <laughs> episodes, and we have our first guest, and you just were, it's an honor to be a friend of yours, and, and it's just beautiful having you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brenda. Thank so. you for having me. It was a complete honor to be here with you both. Amen. And that's it for episode 25. Go and lead with humility.